Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. This podcast is sponsored in part by a proud supporter of Monarch Schools and Make-A-Wish San Diego. Monarch School educates students impacted by homelessness and helps them develop hope for a future with the necessary skills and experience for personal success. Make-A-Wish San Diego grants wishes to children with life-threatening medical conditions to enrich the human experience with hope, strength, and joy. To learn more about how you can get involved, please visit monarchschools.org and sandiego.wish.org. With these disagreements, we're like, well, how do we resolve this? You know, two-thirds of the company wants to go one direction, and one-third of the company wants to go another direction. And then it got into, you know, are we, is this unanimous decisions only, or is this majority rules and um, based off of just some dumb business stuff and it just things started getting nasty Welcome to I Made It in San Diego, voice of San Diego's podcast about the stories behind the region's businesses, the big and the small, and the people who made them what they are. I'm Kinsey Moreland, and in this week's show, a story about how a family business grew, fell apart, and managed to pull it together again. San Diegans who shop at farmer's markets probably know Ryan Smith. He's the guy with the bright red hair and over-the-top enthusiasm who, years ago, spent a lot of time at most of the local farmer's markets, eagerly hawking his healthy vegan dips. And I got the chipotle chili. It's smoky, smoldering, spicy, like me. Back then, it was called bitchin' sauce, and lots of San Diegans, including me, were convinced by Ryan at these markets to at least try the dips. And lots of people, again, me included, would then end up buying the sauce because, oh my goodness, it is good. It's pretty healthy, too. And Ryan's a likable guy who would enthusiastically tell everyone to have a bitchin' day. So sometimes people would buy this stuff just because of his charm. Ryan's whole family was involved in Bitchin' Sauce, which quickly grew from a side project into a multi-million dollar business based in Carlsbad. But in 2015, an intense family feud left just one family member with the business and the keys to the Carlsbad factory, while the rest had to figure out what to do next. The new business the rest of the family has built since that grueling split is called Good Lovin' Foods, the cornerstone of which is a trio of healthy vegan sauces the family claims are better than the last. 
Ryan says both businesses would never have been born had it not been for his mom, a vegetarian hippie who introduced the kids to many of the healthy, unique ingredients used in both of the sauces to this day. So before health food was like even a like a mainstream thing, she was she was on the front wave of it. So I I call us when we grew up, we were kind of like redneck hippies <laughs> because we embraced like very hippie things like the foods and the you know um, it's everything that was like natural type stuff. Um, so like what? Name some of those foods. Oh, shoot. I grew up on tofu. I mean, that's like what I grew up on before, I guess, now in like the natural world. Tofu is like no good anymore. But um, I ate so much tofu. I, we were vegetarian growing up for like 10 years. And what's funny is my dad's like the opposite of my mom. My dad's like barbecue, you know, smoked meats. All the meats. So when mom's gone, like that's what we would drink. That's why I call it like a mixture of like hippie redneck because my dad's more redneck. <laughs> but, so you uh, were eating like nutritional yeast on your smoked brisket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that might not be that bad. <laughs> no. So my mom was, you know, all nooch and brags and my dad was, you know, smoked meats and stuff. So we, whenever she would leave, we'd, you know, indulge with my dad. Nooch, is that what the kids call nutritional yeast these Nooch, days? Nooch, hippie dust. <laughs> There's all sorts of fun names for it. So what about the animal convictions, though? How much of a part did, does that play? Did that play in your... Just, the animal stuff? Yeah, like loving and not wanting to kill animals or Yo, use their products. Oh, my products. gosh. You're talking to, you know, you're talking to now the redneck side of me. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> I, I grow, I'm, I'm like... In the inhumane side of the animal things, I don't agree with. But in terms of like a fisherman into hunting, all these things, I mean, that's totally me. But if there were, if you were a Venn diagram, then it would be like hippie one circle and redneck the other. And you're that rare, like 1% of people who fit in the intersection of those two things. Yeah. 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 I'm right in there. After Ryan graduated high school, he moved to Santa Barbara to become a nanny, or a manny, as he calls it. His sister Star moved to Santa Barbara to live with him, too. They both were experimenting with veganism at the time, but for Ryan, it wasn't going so well. He found himself gravitating toward the richest, fattiest vegan foods he could find, and he couldn't seem to think about anything but food. It was around that time that Ryan and Star first started making what would eventually become bitchin' sauce— a hummus-like dip or spread, but with ground-up almonds instead of garbanzo beans as its main ingredient. Every one of their friends who tasted the dip would tell them how amazingly good it was, which made them start thinking they might be able to start some kind of food-related business. Both Ryan and Star moved back to Carlsbad, and the whole family actually lived in one big house at the time. Four adult siblings and their parents, and they always had a lot of friends hanging around for dinner every night. No one had a lot of money, so dinners often ended up being a mixture of an early version of bitchin' sauce on top rice, beans, avocados, and whatever other vegetables they had around the house. Tell me about the first time you stood around a kitchen and made what would eventually become bitchin' sauce. Was there one time where you were like, yes, this is it, this is... Or was it an evolution? It was. It, there was an evolution around it. Like my originally, even before we moved to Santa Barbara, I know my mom started 
doing some stuff with those ingredients like almonds and nutritional yeast and lemon juice and, you know, kind of like an almond hummusy type thing. And it was okay. It wasn't what, you know, we, we then perfected, but um, it was all right. And then moving on from that point, there wasn't, I don't know if it was just like an aha moment. We start, it just started getting good. It had this really, delicious, earthy, umami flavor, kind of a flavor that not many people have experienced. That's why it was so kind of like impactful is Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, this is the only way to describe what I'm tasting here. It is bitchin'. And um, it was like a whole new flavor for people that that had this addictive quality where it's like people wanted to come back for more and more and more and fit a lot of diets. And so I don't know if there was like an aha moment where it was like, oh my gosh, we nailed it. We had friends say, man, you should sell this. Like there was one person in particular who was like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. Like you really should sell this. Mm -hmm. And that got the wheels turning a little bit to at least try to price it out and see what, what it would take. But, um, it really got better as we kept making it mm-hmm. and perfected it over like a seven year period to the point that brings us to the point where we actually decided to take it to market and do something with that. When did the idea to really go for it as a business idea? Okay, so to go for it as a business idea, it had always been in my mind since I'd been perfecting this recipe to. Like, you know what? I think I could do something with this and it would go. Like I said, I had priced it out even before we started anything. And um, I just had a feeling like it's just one of these ideas where you're like, this could work. But jumping from point A to point B was a hurdle in my mind. I didn't know how to do that, especially having no money, you know. So that was, you know, my main excuse. Um My sister, she worked for a personal chef, and um, she kind of saw how that personal chef business worked. She liked the hours. Um, She was just an assistant, but she was like, you know what? We can do this. We can do this. We could start a personal chef company. It's easy enough. You don't have to have, like, any sort of crazy credentials. It's just, you know, you start and, you know get a website and build a business. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, she had an idea to do that. She came to me and wanted to partner with me on building that personal chef company. So I was all about it. So I'm like, sure, that sounds great. And um, we were like, well, how are we going to even be known? You know, how is anybody going to find out about us? And So that's when the idea came up, well, let's just go to a farmer's market and bring some of the stuff that we make Uh and um, try to get in front of people that way and promote that service. And So what year was this about? This was 2000, I think it was 2010. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, we did, it it was just a way to like market our stuff really inexpensively and it's it's just a great way to test things out the farmers markets to go to market totally. and do a test to see like you know does anybody like our stuff and so what happened at these markets were people just losing their mind over this product you know the first market was i think we were in San Marcos really small farmers market and um it was a whole new experience for us we like hand painted all our signs we did all this stuff just kind of like 
janky just to get out there and get something out there, you know, like as cheap as possible. And my sister baked tons of vegan baked goods and, you know, gluten-free stuff. And it t- it took her forever. It took her all night to make this stuff. It was like the biggest pain in the butt ever. <laughs> and, you know, I whipped up the first batches of what we called bitchin' sauce. And it took no time because... What know, did you need at that point? Just a blender? Yeah, okay. just a blender. Right. You know, just a blender and the ingredients. And so I whipped up the first batches and we had like eight jars. And... Um, no that, label? We did, yeah, we did print out a label for the first, like, while we were at farmer's markets for the first, I don't know, six months, we used to cut out all our own labels. Oh, God. It was, and so you were already it calling it Bitchin' Sauce at this point. At that time, we came up with a name. We came up with a label. Um, it was Bitchin' Sauce under the uh, the Personal Chef brand, business name. Yeah, yeah, which was called The Pie Smith is what we called the it. The Pie Smith. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, so how did you settle on that name? Was that a controversial thing? You know, no, that was super easy. Uh, my mom thought it was controversial, but (laughs) (laughs) she's, she's like, you guys are shooting yourselves in the foot for, for naming it this, but yeah, it can be offensive to some people, right? Yeah. But we wanted to go for something that really, uh, we wanted to go for something Southern California that was going to grab somebody's attention, you know? And I, that side of like marketing, I I really think through like what would what would make me try something, what would I be into trying, you know? Bitch like, and sauce. Bitch and sauce. <laughs> if somebody said that, that would like that would kind of be a pow in my face. Like wow, Southern California, like and then it matches the flavor, so it starts building this whole experience around the product where you're like wow, this is you know this is bitching. Yeah, and it. Definitely, you know, offends people who don't understand the term, but uh, but it means awesome, supremely great, yeah, right? That's yeah, excellent, remarkably wonderful. So um, <laughs> you've explained the definition before once or twice. Yeah. Can- oh, yeah. I've had to. I've had to explain my way out of a lot of things <laughs> with that. <laughs> okay, so you're at the San Marcos Farmers Market. You've got the all the stuff your sister baked, uh, the sauces with the hand cut labels that you made, and what what happens? So. We sold a few. Okay. It, the response was really good from the customers who did try it. I mean, San Marcos is crickets as far as a farmer's market goes. <laughs> That's why we were able to get in because nobody's there. <laughs> so um, we sold a few. Uh, my sister's mother-in-law like bought the rest of them from us. Just That's sweet. Just Yeah, just to be nice, nice. and supportive. <laughs> um but at that point, it was like, after selling a few, it was like, well, we sold a few. If we get in front of more people, we're going to sell more. This is super easy to manufacture. Like, let's switch up our business model here. And instead of doing baked goods, all this stuff, you know, for our marketing, for the personal chef service at the farmer's markets, let's just do the dips, you know, and, and leave the other stuff to the side. We'll still promote the personal chef thing, but this is actually sustainable. Yeah. And suck them in with the sauce maybe, and then start talking personal chef upselling. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, that's when the bitch and sauce brand started is we got into bigger market in Lucadia and, 
Um, we, I think our first one we sold, I forget how many units we sold. We sold maybe 40 units, which was, which was decent for, you know, just starting. And then we started duplicating those markets, you know, the amounts that we were in to where we got into, we were doing like 25 a week at one point in San Diego County. Wow. Yeah. The healthy vegan ingredients and addictive flavor are just part of the secret. The other things that helped drive success was Ryan's over-the-top positive vibes he put out while slinging the sauce at farmer's markets. His friendly persona helped the business take off. And right from the get-go, um, I don't know, you might be offended if I call it a shtick, but I like I have memories. Shtick? <laughs> I have memories of you. I remember, I mean, I distinctly have a memory of you. Killing just be- it. <laughs> being overly enthusiastic and mm. bubbly and just like you could not walk by your booth without having to stop and see what this guy was so damn excited about. You were so excited. I think your face was on the label. My at face that- was all over that label. <laughs> And, you know, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to like be like, you have red hair, but your red hair, I mean, you just stood out as yeah. this person yeah. who was so excited about this thing. The and bitchin' guy. The bitchin' guy. And of course, <laughs> you saying, you know, saying, have a bitchin' day. Oh, and yeah. So were you doing that right from the very beginning or did that evolve over no, time? No, that evolved. So in the beginning, you know, the bravest we were was come, well, at first, I think we were just saying, come try our delicious sauce. Okay. You know, and then it was like, Hey, come try some bitchin' sauce. And we saw, we just saw how people reacted to it, where they were like, you know, it started turning more heads when we'd say bitchin' sauce. We're like, okay, well, let's keep saying that. And um, my sister did some of the initial farmers markets, but she had kids at the time. I was single, I didn't have any kids. So um, we kind of split up, and it was like, okay, Ryan, you do the farmers markets and run those, and she'll do the the other aspects of the business, like manufacturing and design and stuff like that. So early on, you and your sister set some goals. Yeah. What were those goals? Uh, those goals, the first year was to, we wanted to, I don't know how many farmer's markets we were in, but per, the personal goals was we, we each wanted to make like 4000 bucks a month from our company. That's decent. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And... That answered a lot of other things that were personal goals, like for me, getting out of debt, being able to support myself, wanting to be married. So being able to support a wife, family, all those different things, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, same same parallels with my sister, too. And so um, that was our end of the year, first year goals. And we hit those really quickly. I think it was like three or four months that we we reached that goal. Did that surprise you? Uh, you or did it just like reaffirm that gut feeling that you had always it just had? it just reaffirmed the gut feeling it just once we started i the picture started filling in with color and started becoming more clear as like here's the path that we can take and here's like we really can go big there that those limiting things that were limiting me were not limiting me anymore it was like i can i can see that this meets a need for people and we're able to impact people in more so than just a product. And that comes into that whole like bitch and lifestyle that I was living, like that developing. I saw how that impacted people. 
Sure. But I don't think, you know, and I wonder if you know the answer to this, but I don't know if I bought that first uh, container of bitchin' sauce because I really liked the product or because I liked you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're talking about, those positive vibes Mm -hmm. that you just like flood onto people. There's the other aspect of it where I had people come and purchase the product, not because the product was so great, but because of how, how we made them feel. Because our whole goal, our my whole goal, and still is, carries on past that company, is to uh, really serve and love people unselfishly. Not, I'm not doing it for myself. It's not, what can I get from you? It's not, how many sales can I make? It's, how can I serve you with what I have? I have a delicious dip. I have a personality that can brighten your day, you know, mm-hmm. and I have, I can, you know, I have humor. There was a lot of humor in what we were doing, like just ridiculous, corny, dumb humor that people loved. After the farmer's markets, Ryan and his sister set their sights on getting bitch and sauce into stores. The first spot to say yes was cream of the crop in Oceanside. After that, it was Seaside Market in Cardiff then Jimbo's and other big chains. More and more stores started saying yes to carrying the product, and eventually Bitchin' Sauce was in Whole Foods and then Costco. By this time, the whole family was involved in the business, which was scaling up fast. So did you have any really big hiccups during that scaling process? Um, Did you learn any big Mm. lessons during that time, or was it like relatively easy process for you just sort of a natural organic growth of the product it it definitely was a natural organic growth um it was just my family at that time you know my parents uh worked for the company my brother my younger brother worked for the company um we brought my older brother on as a uh owner of the company one-third owner at that time as well um and you know, it was just a whole big family family thing that we were doing. And did you have to make any big sacrifices to build the business early on? Oh, it's been it's well, yeah, it's been it's been tons of sacrifices. If if you want if it's called like you can call it bootstrapping or whatever, but we lived in a house that we called we called it the shanty mansion cuz it wasn't a nice house, but it was kind of big and we could all live there. So, I mean, there was a fridge in our living room we named magda she was really loud and uh it was there was tons of sacrifices being made to grow the company you know like many many long days and it was like do whatever it takes type thing to to get there there were weeks where we didn't get paid and you know all that stuff depending on how the business was doing if it rained and farmer's markets closed, you know. No money. No money. <laughs> Speaking of money, did you take any investments? From- uh, no, no, we didn't. We started Bitch and Sauce with 200 bucks. Who's 200 bucks? Oh, well, guess we did take some money. Yeah. So <laughs> so um, I think our cousins gave Star 200 bucks, Star's my sister, to uh, to start it. And that's what we used. Wow. And then we paid it back. Nice. Ryan's mom came up with a recipe for a health bar, so they added bitchin' bars to their product line. The company was doing really well. 
After just five years in business, they were pulling in about $2 million in annual revenue. They had opened a manufacturing facility and office in Carlsbad and were in the middle of growing the company even bigger by moving their products into stores in Northern California. But that's when the trouble hit. The problem started small. One of Ryan's brothers wanted to move to the Bay Area so he could help grow the business there. Everyone in the family agreed that it was a good idea, but there was a discrepancy over how much he should get paid. The Bay Area is expensive, so he wanted to make a little bit more so he could afford the higher rent and cost of living. Ryan says it made sense to everyone except his sister Star. He describes it as just a dumb little disagreement over a business decision that ended up blowing up and eventually tearing the business and their family apart. You know, we're a family who started a business. We didn't have like a shareholders agreement and, you know, here's your stock certificates and all this stuff, you know. it. I mean, as I've told the story starting, it's like we kind of just like jumped into this. I didn't have an education. I would have done things differently. Not because I don't trust people, but just for communication purposes. Um, and so with these disagreements, we're like, well, how do we resolve this? You know, two thirds of the company wants to go one direction and one third of the company wants to go another direction. And then it got into, you know, are we, is this unanimous decisions only or is this majority rules? And um, based off of just some dumb business stuff and it just, things started getting nasty. When we come back, how one family member took over the entire bitch and sauce business, and why the rest of the family ultimately chose not to fight. podcast listeners, please join Voice of San Diego for our next member event, the rescheduled Brews and News member mix-up at 5.30 p.m. Thursday, November 9th at the Museum of Man in Balboa Park. Voice of San Diego and the Museum of Man are teaming up for an evening of civic affairs, exploring the human experience, and, of course, beer. This free event is only open to Voice of San Diego and Museum of Man members, so if you're not a member already, become one today. Events like these are just one of our member benefits. To learn more, go to voiceofsandiego.org membership for more information. Hey, welcome back to I Made It in San Diego. I'm Kinsey Moreland. Kitchen Sauce was a multi-million dollar family business when things started getting tense. Ryan went on vacation in 2015, and when he came back and showed up to work at the family's facility in Carlsbad, he couldn't get in. His keys wouldn't work. He says Star, his sister, had the locks changed while he was away. 
What had started as just a little disagreement over how much money to pay one of the brothers who wanted to move to the Bay Area to help Bitch and Sauce grow had officially escalated. Starr launched a full-blown legal battle to get control of the business. I reached out to Starr for her version of events, by the way, but she said she didn't want to discuss it. My sister uh, got an attorney to write a letter to us saying, you know, all the, um, all of the intellectual property of Bitch and Sauce is mine. I've just been allowing our company, Bitch and Sauce, to use it. And Bitch and Sauce, like that product is, shoot, you know, 97% of our revenue at that time. So she's saying that's mine. All the accounts that are connected with that are mine. All of the money with that connected with that is mine. You know, the most honest thing she did through the process was lock the doors. That was the most honest thing that I had heard from her in the past, you know, three months of going back and forth because there was just sneaky stuff going on. And, you know, it was like we knew it was going to come to a head at some point. And that's what she wanted. She wanted control. You know, she she didn't like the fact that um, there were two third owners that had majority and she wanted control. And so she decided to take it. And so did you try to fight back? Did you get a lawyer involved? Well, How I, hard did you fight to get your company back? Oh my gosh. Well, at that time, I mean, again, this is all new to me. You know, I, this is like, I've, I, I haven't even heard of this. I'm thinking like, you know, I'm living in a movie. This is only happening to us, you know, come to find out, you know, this stuff happens. Well, yeah, the hostile takeover. Hostile there's a term takeover. for it. Yeah there's, a, yeah, there's a term for it. So, um, anyways, we were trying to figure out which direction we, we needed to go. It's like, man, do we get police to go, you know, open the door and so we can continue business because we're still the majority owners of the company, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and we didn't, I just wasn't inspired to do that. Um, in terms of like hiring an attorney and all that, you know, there's so many people saying, you know, you need an attorney, you need to hire an attorney and do all this, you know, go after this. And um, I talked to uh, one guy who was, uh, who has a, a big business and he's like, well, you know what happens when you do that? And he's like, the only people who win are the lawyers if you do that. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I I don't know. It's all new to me. So um, what really helped us, what really helped me be at peace with what we did was actually seeing God's will in the situation. I, I am a Christian and, you know, I, I base my life off of loving people and trying to do what God wants me to do. And there's a part in in the Bible where it talks about, you know, taking a brother or sister to court. And it talks about how you shouldn't do that. <laughs> it's like if you do that, not only, you know, you lose, you, you're the one who's doing wrong also. And it's better to be, um, to have wrong done to you than to do that. And so when I read that, I was just like, well, that puts 
that puts me at peace. Like, you know what? If this is the way it is, like, um, that's the way it is. And so we offered to do a mediation with my sister according to what we were reading in the scriptures. Like, let's do a mediation like it says here. It says not to go to court. So let's do a mediation because it talks about how to do it. And um, she refused to do that. And so we, at that time, we were like, well, how do we just walk from it? Because I would rather do what's right by God than um, try to, you know, fight for some self-preservation, you know, of my family, me, my, I had one girl at the time, you know, I was like, you know what, God's, God's bigger than this. It was, it was just, it was just super nasty. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Definitely wasn't. There was something else going on that it was like, "Where's my sister at?" You know. Yeah. So. Um, so you lost the business. So we. Your family. We, we let it go. We. You gave up. We. We did not give up on on life. We just we let it go, and we let we just instead of doing the legal thing or bringing police to knock down the doors or something, it was like you know what we're gonna go God's way. And, you know, my identity is not just this business, you know, even though I was living the bitch in life, I was the bitching guy, <laughs> you, <are> the- <laughs> you know, it's like this brand was something that I, that I built. So, um, it definitely was not easy. And, you know, there was so many emotions and feelings that you, I had to sift through like, what is like a sound righteous thought versus my own emotions trying to, you know, because people can act emotional and make not good decisions. So do um, you regret the decision to not, not take not it to court? Not Never. At all. Not one. No, not once. No way. No way. So she won the business. She mm-hmm. lost her family in mm-hmm. the process. Um, and you didn't give up. Instead, no. you started a new company. How long between the doors being locked and you launching Good Love and Foods? Um, we launched Good Love and Foods in October. I think the doors were locked August, or I resigned from Bitch and Sauce August 15th and walked August 15th in October. We started our new company. Wow, not down for long. No, we were like, well, imagine, imagine going from you know, a six-figure salary to nothing, moving out of your house with your wife and baby, moving in with your brother and going, you know, what are we going to do? So that's kind of the, I mean, extreme, extreme, you know, circumstances surrounding it all. The same thing with the rest of my family too. My parents resigned and walked. My younger brother resigned and walked. And, um, so it's like, what are we going to do? Uh, and we were like, well, we're really good at this. You know, we just spent the last five years building this company, learning so much. I mean, that experience is worth something. You know, the experience, the brand building, it really, it was, it's been huge in San Diego. And so there were things that we wanted to do to make the product even better. And... Um, there were things that we were like, we can still grab the essence of what we were doing and continue to impact people the way we were, how probably 
if people are listening and they know that they ever met me at a farmer's market, there was some sort of impact in a positive way. And so we wanted to continue that positive impact. Um, and so we, we definitely were not down for long. <laughs> and so did you start, you know, obviously now you have the experience, the business experience. Um, you had to start over completely from scratch. Did you build it in a similar way? Did, are you out doing farmer's markets again? Or mm-hmm. you just started, you skipped all that part? We skipped that part. We, we wanted to pick up where we left off. So you started by going to your stores and saying, here's this product. Take this product. Correct. Yeah. So, well, it's funny. We had all these contacts and because um, we were the ones out doing deliveries, doing the sales, farmer's markets, all that stuff. We decided we didn't want to do the farmer's market thing because then it would be like us and all out dip wars with my last company. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, dip not, wars. I'm not doing sauce wars. <laughs> There's a better way. Um, so we and we wanted to pick up where we left off. Our company was going to do two million in revenue that year, and we were like, you know what? Um, where that company was going anyway was stores and reaching more people. So and we knew a lot about the infrastructure of that. So we're like, let's just do that and um, go bigger. Our our vision grew insane when we walked from bitch and sauce it grew massive like way massive (laughs) it's been just two years since ryan and the rest of his family launched good lovin foods but the business took off quickly their new dips which come in three different flavors chipotle lemon garlic and cilantro lime don't include soy like bitchin' sauce does, and they use a lot more nuts and seeds. So Ryan says that gives the flavor more depth. They also make chips to pair with the dips, and their mom's health bars are now part of the Good Lovin' product line too. But most importantly, the biggest difference this time around is that the business is just a lot more businessy. What we did was, um, we, it's my mom, me, and my older brother, who are uh, like larger shareholders, but we gave stocks to everybody else who walked from my last company who was promised stuff that we couldn't deliver because we walked. So we gave everybody a little chunk. We have fantastic investors. Um, and and uh, that's basically the team we have. It's, it's all structured correctly this we time. have, yeah, we have <laughs> you learned we a, have a team of advisors we have a board of directors we got you know wow. everything that you should have with a company and um i actually have stock certificates which is fantastic you learned your lesson it I was a hard oh, lesson learned man it was, it was a hard lesson and um but it's been it's been fantastic we within within man we launched good love and foods october we hit Whole Foods shelves um, the following year, uh, I think September 1st, mm-hmm. which is in the food world is very quick. Um, and then we got, we ended up getting all our Costco business and more back. And um, it's been growing. We have other product lines just besides 
our line of dips. It, it, now this, I'm I'm saying all the good stuff. This has not been like with the new company. It hasn't been without battles and you know like everything going wrong. It's just like oh my gosh, how how can things continue to go wrong? I mean, it's been it has been a battle, but we're growing. <laughs> 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 what what have some of those battles been? Uh, um, so with my last company, we did all our own manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And the new company, um, manufacturing has been the largest battle for us because uh, the manufacturer just hasn't been able to get it right with um, what it should be. Mm-hmm. And there's been tons of just inconsistencies in the product. So imagine launching a product – uh, in Whole Foods, having a recall with your launch in Whole Foods because the product's not up to, uh, it was a voluntary recall, but product's not up to standard. And then imagine dealing with this like for two years, which is what we've been dealing with, some inconsistencies. So it's really hard, especially when you know what your product can be. It's super hard to put all this money into marketing selling when it's like, man, it's, it's not exactly perfect. Ryan and his family have gotten their good love and products into dozens of stores across California, and they're in a few other states too. I actually ran into Ryan's little brother at a Costco in Colorado not long ago. He's got bright red hair, just like Ryan, and he's now the one doing the whole friendly sauce selling shtick thing. Ironically, Costco's in San Diego have yet to open the doors to Good Lovin' because Bitchin' Sauce is still doing so well here. That stings, but Ryan says he'll keep pushing and keep building his family business without ever looking back and longing for the old one. I'm just going to keep... I, I say in business, we're like, we're like water. We're just, we just keep flowing. Things get in our way, but we get through a little crack. We're just a force that will just keep flowing. <laughs> Have you flowed to uh, two million annually yet? Uh, yeah, we're we are. Uh, I guess our first year we weren't there. This year we're we're there. Congratulations! So, and our we're we're what doubling every quarter. So we are on some serious growth. Well, I know you're a good Christian, so you probably won't gloat, but that's got to feel pretty good to know that you could build a business again. Yeah. So quickly. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm super thankful and blessed. <laughs> there's, that good, there's that good Christian. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's, it is really, it's really awesome. It's, I'm really, really, it is really awesome. Just the, all the circumstances and maybe we'll like write a book about it. There's even more, there's even more just you didn't give me your all well there's i mean you want me (laughs) to go into everything that we've overcome there's been some insane overcomings to you know get to where we're at today and you know it really is like couldn't have done it without god and and um you know so that's the secret sauce of your secret sauce that's the secret sauce that's why it's called good love and if you look at one of the o's it's it's lighter than the other Hmm. And it says God loving. Thanks for listening to I Made It in San Diego. I wrote and produced the show. Scott Lewis edited the script and Adam Greenfield mastered and mixed it. 
Visit voiceofsandiego.org slash podcast to learn more about our weekly Voice of San Diego political affairs show, our Good Schools for All education podcast, the Cura Chaos show about movers and shakers on both sides of the border, Beer Talk Radio, and the rest of the shows in the BOSD podcast network. If you like the show, go to voiceofsandiego.org and click the donate button. Or if you're interested in sponsoring it, contact me at kinsey at vosd.org. That's K-I-N-S-E-E at V-O-S-D dot O-R-G.